know, I really appreciate um, you, you know, making some time out to meet me. Uh, of course. Um, you know, like I said, I've been listening for a long time and, and always respected you know, the way that you carried yourself um, professionally and, you know, able to, well, one, be a great DJ, first of all, but, you know, the, the voice side of it, too, and the hosting and the other things you do, so... Um, Tell me a little bit about how you kind of got started with, with DJing. Well, it was a two-part thing. Um, as far as radio side, um, I was kind of a nerd growing up, so I was in the gifted program. So we went to a me special too. school once a week, me so too. you're familiar with me that. Too. Yep. And we got to take really neat courses that were, you know, not your norm. You know, like I was 12 years old developing black and white photographs in the dark room. Me too. You know, art classes, <laughs> computer programming, stuff like that. Awesome. So I was always big into music. I was in band. And uh, whereas most students do an internship when they're in college, I had the opportunity to do that when I was 15. And so I'm reading down the list that they have, and I'm like, doctor, lawyer, boring, boring, boring. And then I saw radio DJ, and I'm like, oh, that's me. So um, I interned at a classic rock station back home. Um, while at that time I wasn't a huge fan, I mean, now I love it, but uh, back th at, at that time I was like, eh, I don't know about this format. But the chick that I interned for, she was so cool, and I was fascinated that she actually got paid to come into work, you know, jeans and a t-shirt, and talk to people on the radio. I was like, wow, this is a real job, and she gets paid decent money to do it, you know? And I was like, well, this is exciting. So I kind of, you know, learned from her. her. I uh, eventually made a radio station in my high school my senior year, and then from there, I uh, not only worked at the Florida State radio station when I went to college, but I also started working at the local hip-hop station. And how I got that job was funny because I was working at a gas station at the time. And this guy came in with a uh, 96 One Jams t-shirt. And I was like, oh, man, I, I tried to apply there. I would love to work there, blah, blah, blah. But I was never able to get a hold of anyone. And they were like, they, they told me the guy I needed to talk to was Hurricane Dave. And he smiles and reaches out his hand. And he's like, hi, nice to meet you. I'm Hurricane. And I'm like, get out of here. And so it's cool because Hurricane is like uh, big stuff over at Radio 1 in Atlanta right now. Right. He's like off man. <clears throat> or whatever so um, it, it's just interesting how stuff works and you know he ended up uh, I never thought he would give me a call back he called me a few months later I started working from part-time uh, board hopping so I went from board op to part-time on air uh, moved to another station across town um, and that was when I started learning the DJ side. So this was when I was in college still. I was co-hosting both mixed shows on the weekend on the Friday and Saturday night. And I would I would, I would also do overnights, but just doing that, I would watch the guys come in and DJ. Because you know there's small studios. There is no mixed room, especially not back then. So they're like side by side with you. And I would watch them like, man, that is so cool. Like I've never seen a chick DJ before. You know, I mean, yeah, you've heard of like Spinderella and, you know, Jazzy, Joyce, Coco Chanel, whatever. But... I had never heard of anyone, especially not in the South. That was like non-existent back then. This was like, I think 2000, like 99, 2000, whatever. And, um, and I was like, you know what, I wanna do that. And so I just decided to go out and buy some turntables, which I still have to this day, classic techniques, uh, get myself a little mixer, and to start learning. And of course, the guys at the station, they were cool. They, they showed me the basics and everything. And um, I started doing, I was always in charge of the music at a lot of the college parties. So I was doing that at Florida State. And from there, I was able to get my first full-time on-air 
in Huntsville, Alabama, <laughs> which was interesting. I didn't even know where that was on a map when I accepted the job. Like, I literally accepted the job and did not know where it was. But I just knew it was an opportunity. Yeah. And back then, that was all you needed. And it wasn't like nowadays. Nowadays, everyone feels entitled, and they're like, oh, well, I need to be in the number one market on air like that. And I'm like, wait, no, it doesn't work like that. So I knew that was a sacrifice I would have to make. So I went there, um, did my midday on-air thing, and that was when I started doing mixtapes. So I was DJing a lot of the clubs in the whole, this, this called the Tennessee Valley. So I was DJing like in crazy places. Like I would drive up to Tennessee in Pulaski, Tennessee, which is where the KKK started. I would go to Lewisburg, Tullahoma, um, all kinds of spots. And there was, there was Alabama A&M there, so we did a lot of parties for those students. And it was just so much fun. And I started my Southern Stilettos mixtape series. So what I would do is I would utilize my privilege of being on air to every time an artist would come through, hey, host my mixtape. And this was back then, before the market was oversaturated, and not everyone was doing it, especially not many, if any, chicks. And, um, and so it was cool. So they would you know, host it for me. I had 3-6 Mafia host one. I had a little Flip host one. I had uh, Stat Quo, uh, Huey, uh, Monica. Um, all kinds of people, so it was really dope. You know, the game was good back then, and that was when I, I won uh, the Justo's Best Female Mixtape DJ Award in 06. That's when everything was cracking. And, oh, well, actually, that was when I was in Houston. So, transition, so I was in Alabama for a year, then I moved to Houston, I got the full-time midday gig there at the box, and that's when the mixtape stuff really started exploding and working for me. That's when the awards came, and that's when, um, that's when Houston was on. You know, that's when Slim, Mike, Paul, uh, you know, UGK, all those guys. Like, everything was cracking in Houston back then. So that was fun times, and, you know, just obviously been DJing ever since then. Sorry, that was a long-winded <coughs> answer. No, no, but, no, that's what I wanted. You know. Do you notice uh, differences in the markets that you've been in? Oh, absolutely. In, like, the, the sounds and the styles of what works? E each market has its own distinctive sound. You know, each market has its own distinct sound. Each region has its own distinct sound. Um, and that's what I think a lot of DJs don't realize. And I didn't realize, honestly. I made the biggest, okay, here, lesson learned. So when I transitioned from, which, oh, I know which one it was. When I transitioned from Huntsville, Alabama, to Houston, Texas, I remember one of the first nights I played a club I was sadly mistaken, and it was basically the equivalent of falling flat on your face because I did not do my homework, and I did not realize that the music selection would be so distinctly different, you know? And you think, oh, it's all in the South. No, they're all very different. Florida's very different. You know, back then, it was a lot more up-tempo. You know, there was a lot of uh, Tampa influence back then, a lot of joke music, a lot of the, the down-south Miami music. Um, so you have all that fast music, but then you, you transition over towards Texas, and everything slowed up. It screwed up. So that really threw my mind, you know? And then the other thing is that you have to realize that each place has its own subculture of artists that don't cross over into other areas. For example, like in Houston, you know, you had certain artists like Zero, uh, Fat Pat, Big Hawk, Trey, all of them that at that time, they were not known outside the market. 
they really weren't. I mean, you know, you have your bigger name artists that cross over, but you have these ones that are so important to the city, but that, you know, if you go to, I don't know, Virginia, or you go to New York, or you go to Utah, they're not going to have any clue. Same thing with Florida. You know, you had, back then, you had like Kaya, Tampa Tony, you had Nappy Heads, which T-Pain was a part of. You know, you had, so it's, it's very interesting how each market is kind of its own world. And so as a DJ, you have to do your research. You have to study the market. When you first move somewhere, you really need to learn the history, too. You know, like, I had to sit there and go learn about Screw and about that whole movement and the importance it held for that city, you know. And, and in Alabama, that was a whole other world. You know, when I was there, that's when the crunk move movement was heavy. So Atlanta and Memphis had a huge influence there. You know, that, like anything from Abel and MJG, 3-6 Mafia, all the Lil John, Lil Scrappy, Lil Boosie, Webby, all that, you know. So you just, you have to know your music. As a DJ, that's probably one of the most important things. You can't just go download the top 10 songs and think that's it. Assume it's going to work. Yeah, no, each one is, each market is specific. And I also noticed that, you know, you, you've been able to, especially I guess early on, open for some other, or DJ for some major artists and, and bigger companies. As a DJ, what is that process like? You know, as an artist, I, I know how it works to, you know, you contact the promoter, you know, let me get a slot, however, but as a DJ, how do you position yourself with these opportunities? Well, <laughs> my secret has always been relationships, and some of the biggest gigs I've ever had the opportunity to do have come from unlikely sources. For example, um, if you are just kind to everyone or if you're just cool with everyone, it's normally the people that you think are nobody or that are kind of in the background, dressed in all black, whatever, those are probably the important people. I think people make the mistake of, you know, they see somebody and they're all flashy and fly and, oh, I need to kiss their butt. Nope, nope, nope. You have to be kind to everyone. So, for example, I, w I was working some gig somewhere and, and there was this guy there and, you know, we were chatting it up and everything. Turns out he was the head of security services at the Toyota Center. Right. So he had connects there and he hits me last minute one day like, oh, you need to get down here. They need a DJ for the Jay-Z concert. And I said, excuse me? I was like, I am there. You know, so um, I, I got to open up, I think that was the Blueprint 3 tour. And it was amazing because you know how normally for those type of shows they have like people side stage, on stage, this backstage. Whatever. No, 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 not for Jay. It uh, Bun came up and performed him, so it was literally me, Bun B, his wife, and Jay-Z, and his people, and that's it. And I'm, I'm sitting there on the side of the stage like, this is so awesome. This is surreal, you know? So it's like the relationship that I had established with that guy that was, you know, pr prior to that paid off. Um, there was another one, like, I, and I, I don't even remember who referred me, but... Uh, Live Nation hit me up to do uh, the Drake show there at the Verizon Wireless Theater. So it's all been referrals, it's all been relationships. Like, none of those shows that I did, I was like, hey, I want to DJ and open up for this big show. It was nothing, nothing like that. Every last one of them was relationships. 
and it was people that knew that I would be a solid pick for that. And it was so funny because all my coworkers at the radio station, they could not figure out how I was doing it. And, you know, I'm not going to tell them because I'm not going to mess up my game, but it was all relationships. You know, it was all word of mouth and being cool with people. Talk to me, I guess, about the difference with, with TV hosting versus radio hosting. TV hosting and radio hosting is very different. Um, radio hosting, obviously, is the easier of the two, uh, just because it comes naturally to me, because I've been doing it for, for well over 15, 18, however many years now, I don't know. <laughs> but um, the thing about TV hosting that is difficult for me, personally, going from one medium to the other is the fact that I am unaware of body language. Because when yeah, when you're on the radio, you're hiding behind a microphone. So you can you can look crazy as you want. You, you can be lying be, on the floor for all we know. Exactly. Yeah, I could be lying on the floor, just I could be in there drunk, I could be in there in my pajamas, like you have no idea. But for television it's so very specific, especially nowadays when you have high def and you know, you have YouTube, you have this, that, whatever, people can pick you apart. So you have to be on point, you know, hair, makeup, um, your facial expressions, you must be aware of that, you must be aware of your body movement, you know, posture, how you carry yourself, what your hands are doing. So you have to do that along with emoting and, and, and putting personality into what you're actually saying. So it's a whole nother added level to what you would do on the radio. Do you feel that with your, your radio experience, uh, you, you mentioned before doing voiceover work, mm -hmm. how has that helped you transition into doing voice acting? It's a trade-off. <laughs> I mean, from a professional standpoint, it has been very helpful because you obviously you know, you know the basics, you know what it takes to be successful, you know how to function, but it's also hurtful. And what I've found to be the difficulty in that, it's the way that you speak on air is very announcery. Whereas if you're doing commercial work uh, for voiceover, you have to totally take that away. And that is probably one of the most difficult things to do when you automatically are used to doing announcer voice. Even if I lessen it, it's still not, like even I was in voiceover workout group the other day and I have to work it. I have to do multiple takes to, to pull that out of it, to give a natural read because it doesn't come naturally to me. So that's where a newcomer would actually have an advantage because they're going to give it a natural read. They don't, they're not predisposed mm -hmm. to do a... Uh, you would have to unlearn a, something. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. It's just like when I was in college. So I've always spoken Spanish growing up. Well, I took a, an Italian class. They said on the first day that, that the Spanish-speaking people would have the most problems because we already have certain habits or, or certain ways of pronouncing things in our mind, and Italian is the opposite. So, you know, like where you have Bella, which is, you know, B-E-L-L-A, in Italian, is Bella. So the, the pronunciation is totally opposite. So it's, it's kind of like that with voiceover work. A lot of the things that I would naturally want to do with inflection, with, um, you know, just manipulating my voice in certain ways, you have to unlearn yourself. So I actually have to work harder at it. It's not... It's completely different than what I thought, but it's a good challenge. 
And if someone wanted to get into that market, um, you know, I feel like you, you may have done a lot of commercials and things mm -hmm. with the radio. See, and that, that's where I was confused because everyone's always told me, they're like, oh, you should go do voiceover work. You know, you do commercials all the time, this, that, whatever. Yeah, we do commercials, but we just, we rip off a read like that, and it's, it's nothing like when you're actually doing an actual spot. You're portraying a different character other than yourself. Right. Absolutely. You know, you have to sound a certain way, and it's not like the girl on the radio. As a, as a DJ, what are some aspects of like the actual business side that you feel are important? Because you know, even with some of the events that I've mm -hmm. done, I always at least do a contract with the DJ. Oh, you always have to have one. But I know so many DJs are just, yeah, man, I'll show up at this time nope. for this much. Nope. And Unless you are personal friends with that person, and even then you still have to be careful, unless you are personal friends with somebody and willing to take that loss should something go bad, you always have a contract. 100% of the time, because if you don't, you will get burned. And I have been burned many a time. You know, and, and like I said, and even if it's somebody you think you know, you can still get burned too. I had that happen not too long ago, honestly. And yeah, just always do a contract, first and foremost. Secondly, um, professionalism is very key. The more you take yourself seriously and the more you conduct yourself in a certain manner, it will require others to treat you with that same level of respect. Um, not only that, but self-promotion. And we were talking about this off mic, but self-promotion is absolute key. Probably the best in the game to, one of the best in the game to do it, DJ Khaled. This guy's beast, and and from the very beginning, he branded. He just he set out we the best so many times that it became true, and and he owned it, and people bought into it. And no matter what he does, whatever he says, he's so forceful with it that it becomes reality, and it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant, you know. So I, I think that that's very important. And it's not about being arrogant, because I think sometimes it can come across as that. It's about being smart. Um, it's about being a business person. It's about building your brand uh, bigger than the business, bigger than you know certain stations, certain this, that, whatever. Always make your brand be its own entity and make it be big as, as possible. And you mentioned uh, consistency earlier yes. as well. Like, you know, like I said, that's kind of how I became familiar with you because you reminded me, mm -hmm. and you weren't over the top with it either, but that I'm listening mm -hmm. to Brandy Garcia on this mm -hmm. station, or I'm listening to Brandy Garcia at this place. Mm -hmm. So, so being um, consistent. You know, consistency uh, with with social media. Yeah. Consistency with with your work you know, like whatever it is that you do or whatever aspect of it that you do as far as, you know, if, if you do clubs or, or if you do weddings or whatever it is that you do, you have to constantly promote that you're doing that. Otherwise, people forget easily. You know, you can't just all of a sudden be hot in the clubs for two months and all of a sudden we don't see you until Christmas. Like, it doesn't work like that. You know, you have to constantly be on, on the front of people's minds. So social media obviously is a huge help. Um, you have to be out, you have to, you know, drop mixes, you know, do this, do that, be creative. There's so many different ways that you can get yourself out there nowadays. 
granted, it's much more difficult because you have to constantly be working. Yeah. You know, so you got to hustle and just get it how you can. Um, and consistency with relationships. And never burn bridges. Like, even if you dislike certain people or groups or, or anyone, you know, promoter, whatever, make it work. Because let me tell you something, it is not six degrees of separation out here, it is two. And if you piss off that correct, or, or that right, wrong person, it can make your life really difficult. And I'm not gonna lie, like, it, you know, once or twice, you, you know, you learn about that. You know, you, you may not like somebody and you may make a comment and, yeah, not be careful what you say, especially if you're talking shit about people, because you don't know if the people you're talking to are good friends with that person. Very important, major key. <laughs> especially even on social media. Yeah, you, know, you gotta be people, careful. Um, you know, like with me, when, when Facebook, when I first was on Facebook, it, it was only you had to have a college email address mm-hmm. to do it. So it wasn't it was. It wasn't open to general public or fans or whatever, so I still approach it. I'm very protective with you know how I interact and who I add and stuff mm-hmm. like that because I have things on there that I don't want to show everybody. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to get comfortable and like, well, I'm just venting to my friends, mm-hmm. not realizing you're putting the wrong things out no, there. No, here's my number one rule about that. If you put anything on the internet, regardless of what filters, regardless of who you block, regardless of, once you post something on the internet, it is out there for the world. I don't mm-hmm. care if you only have one follower and only one person, if you have a private account, like, it, that private account stuff is ridiculous to me. It's yeah. freaking dumb, like you're you're a dumbass. And especially, oh, and that's what I don't understand either, as a DJ, why would you ever have a private account? Yeah. Because you hurt your business. You want as many people as possible to see what you do. So anyone that has a private account, kill yourself. Because that's just like, that's dumb. It doesn't make any sense. It's not good business. But but yeah, I've always been of the mind of anything that you put out there, know that it is available to anyone. So be, be careful. You know, and if you do post something, own it. And, and, and this is something that I think not all celebrities understand. There is nothing wrong with having an opinion. Granted, in 2016, if you do not have the popular opinion, you're not entitled to one, which is sad. You know, I wish we could agree to disagree as people, but sadly we can't. So what I think... To me, what you should do, you know, especially celebrities, don't sit there and go back and apologize. If you make a comment, own it. You know, and just, that's how you feel. And and so long as you're not, now let me make this uh, little sidebar. So long as you're not disrespecting somebody or a group of people or, you know, something like that, if it's your opinion, you're fully entitled to it. Own it, and, and that'll be you. Yeah, and I think that, you know? that helps add to your your character. Right. You, you, you will polarize people, but the people who understand you and your point of view, like they become more loyal and supportive. Right. You know, I, I know this person. Like people know I feel a certain way about certain things, and I'm very mm-hmm. careful about how I say things, and I don't put everything out there because people are judgy, judgy. Mm-hmm. But you know, and you, God, for, you don't want to get crucified like poor Stacy Dash. Bless her little heart. Yeah. Like, I honestly feel bad because, you know what, that's her opinion and she's entitled to it. And you know what, you may 100% disagree and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. But, man, they've been dragging her so bad. (laughs) (laughs) You 
Instagram It's like they're, they're dragging her, they're dragging, like, oh, Trump? Oh, everyone's like, I want a roundhouse kick, punch him in the face. I'm like, what? I'm like, dude, you know what? It is what it is. He is who he I will say this. At least he owns his stuff. You know, like, this. he's like, this is how I feel. If you don't like it, oh, well. And you know what? I can do nothing but respect that. Yeah. And, and and anyone that would have opinions and whatever, you know what? You gotta agree to disagree. So so own what you say. Be careful of what you say, and and just use discretion. Absolutely. Uh, you know, especially like with social media, I feel like now it's it's more than just okay. You can DJ, especially with something like Instagram. It's so mm-hmm. visual. It, you have to kind of portray a certain lifestyle you don't have to but mm-hmm. that's what people look for they, they have expectations or yes. you have to decide as an entertainer how you want to position yourself you know like you have to decide what you want people to see you as or how you would like them to see you as like people that follow my feeds they know I'm about a couple of things they know I'm about music you know, I'm about hip-hop. They know I'm about family. They know I'm about God. They know that I'm about Florida State. They know that I'm about the Texans. And and they know that I, I like different events and, and different cultural stuff and that I like going to do touristy stuff, you know. And, and those are kind of like my things that I've put out there that I, I've kind of created, you know, this picture of how I want people to perceive me. Is that how they see me? I don't know. I, I, I think I've done a pretty decent job with that, but but it's about putting out there what you... I could have easily switched it up and done something totally... I, I could have been very selective as far as what I post and only post DJ stuff, but that's not just me. I like to be a real person that people can relate to. Like, even someone was just post... And, and don't get it twisted. Like, sometimes I'll post little funny snarky comments, too, so I have, like, a sense of humor, but... Um, like, there was this girl that posted, like, yesterday or day before she was talking to her friend. She tagged her on my page, like, oh, I love this girl's page. She's so, she always is so inspirational. And I was like, dude, that's really, that, that made my day, that simple comment. You know, because I definitely want to inspire mm-hmm. others. So. That's great because you can <clears throat> utilize some of those things to transition into other things later. So people know that you like to travel or something right and they know that you host well cool now you can other side it's just like a little tiny bit there you go there you go sorry just want to make sure you're good i was i was like you got it on the nose (laughs) (laughs) but yeah no you can transition Mm -hmm. into other things beyond music whatever and that is key yeah that is key it's about being multi-dimensional You know, it's not just about being, that's the thing, in 2016, it's not how it was 20 years ago. 20 years ago, you know, you have to be very specific. But I think nowadays, you have to be multidimensional. You have to be able to do different things. Um, Otherwise, you just die. You know, people tell you not to. People tell you not to. And it's funny, because they were telling me that in my voiceover class the other day. And and I was like, no, I disagree. I, I was like, I really do. Like... I, I don't know. I, I think it depends. For an older audience, like which is probably more so him and what he was talking about, he's probably right. But for our generation, for the millennials and everything, I feel like you have to be multidimensional and you have to be have your hand in a bunch of different pots. 
you know, like if you go on my website, there's different tabs. You can click on Brandy Garcia the DJ. You can click on Brandy Garcia the voiceover teller. You can click on Brandy Garcia wedding DJ. You know, like different styles. I have corporate gigs that I do. You know, and each one is its own separate tab, and that way you have more to offer. And for me personally, I get bored easily, so I like doing a variety. You know, the fact that I'm able to DJ you know, in the club, on the radio, at, at a wedding, at, uh, I don't know, any kind of corporate event, that makes my job fun, you know, because there's variety, and variety is the spice of life, as we all know. I'm not just doing the same 20 songs at the same no, club. I would every die. <laughs> I would absolutely die. Like, I wouldn't do it anymore. I would quit DJing if I had to do that, because it's not living. It's funny because people, I feel people would get tired of you that's all that you did as well. Like, Absolutely. Oh, Brandy's just going to play this style of music at this club. But then if you're doing these other things, like, man, why are you trying to do so much? Mm -hmm. Like, you're a DJ. You should focus on DJing. So, yo, Not you don't be even... Because it's like, I don't want to be a one-trick pony. Exactly. You know, and even in job, in the job force nowadays, they want you to be a multitasker. They don't want you to just do one thing, you know. I mean, they want you to do multiple things. Yeah. Mention your website. Where can people find you online and the social media? How can they contact? Super easy. Brandy with the I Garcia.com. So that's my main website, and then um, it's for social media. Uh, Instagram is Brandy Garcia. Uh, Twitter because there's a real Brandy Garcia besides me. I guess she's Mexican or something, um, and she wouldn't give up her title. Mine's DJ Brandy Garcia. Um, same thing for Periscope, DJ Brandy Garcia. So it's, it's one of the two. Any final shout-outs? Mm. To all my followers and loyal people that are supportive, um, it is very appreciated, and you guys are awesome. Like, the, the little comments that everyone writes every day, uh, it's crazy. Like, even though I haven't been in Houston, uh, for, gosh, over five years now, every single day, somebody comments, we miss you in Houston. And I'm like, wow, that's, like, five years later, and every single day somebody posts a comment? That's pretty cool. It's crazy. So, I mean, the, the love that I get from Houston to Florida to out here in L.A. especially, I absolutely, it, that's what makes me happy. You know, just a sense of community and the sense that people appreciate you, you know, so... That's why I do it. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you.